welcome to Life and Business in Flow. I'm your host and the mentor to creatives, Kate Adamo. I created this podcast to share about the challenges in my life that led me to running a proactive and sustainable business on my terms. I've always been guided by my intuition and what feels right, and I've never done what they say you should do. I've always done it my way and with authenticity. We'll talk life, health, boundaries, business, brand, finances, worth, and everything in between. Because when we get clear on the foundations and value ourselves, we create not only a sustainable business, but a life that flows. And I want that for you. Thank you for being here. It means the world to me. So today on the podcast, I wanted to introduce you to Stacey from Healthy Business Finances. Now, a few years ago, someone in my community uh, shared about Stacey with me and I followed along on Insta for a bit and I knew I had to reach out. And initially I enlisted Stacey to help me um, set up all the categories and things in QuickBooks because I'd had help before, but either they weren't the best teacher or maybe I wasn't the best listener at the time. But one of the things I loved about Stacey's support is that she keeps it really down to earth, easy to understand. And there isn't all the accountancy jargon, which is why she's been one of the biggest supporters in my business the last few years, why she now does my husband's and my bass and supports many of my clients. So welcome to the podcast, Stacey. Thanks so much, Kate. That was that was lovely. I could, I could listen to that all day. We'll get used to it because there might be a few more compliments today. <laughs> <laughs> Bring them on. Yes. So for those of you who don't know, Stacey runs Healthy Business Finances. You can find that on Instagram. Where else is Stacey? Website? Is there LinkedIn, Facebook? Yeah. So we're pretty much everywhere, to be honest. Um, Instagram is is pretty big for us, surprisingly. But yeah, Facebook, website, it's all under Healthy Business Finances. So you should be able to find us easily. Beautiful. Okay. So thank you so much for um, taking the time today, Stacey. Um, I reached out to you very cheekily at the end of June and went, good luck, Kate. Um, what a ridiculous time to try and interview someone in the accounting tax space. But thank you so much for finding the space for me. And I think it's a really, really important time that we could carve out this time um, to share all of the wisdom that you're going to impart um, with the listeners, being that it is July, being that it's tax time and BAS time. And there's probably a few things here people need to need to hear. So before we dive into all of that, I'd love to know a little bit about your business, Stacey, and who you support and how. Yes, sure. So we are an accounting tax and bookkeeping practice. However, probably half of our business is actually in the training space. So we deal with a lot of startups or business owners, probably in the first one to five years of their business journey, Mm -hmm. uh, really helping them to understand I guess, the financials behind their business. Um, With cloud accounting software, I guess the trend is a lot of business owners want to be involved, which we think is absolutely fantastic. But there's probably a little bit of an education gap in terms of of signing up to an accounting software and actually knowing if they're using it well or or getting some information out of the system that they can actually use for, for cash flow or BAS or reporting or margins and a whole range of things. So that's really my love of the education and training space but I have um, four bookkeepers that work with me scattered around uh, Victoria and Queensland um, and they do a lot of the day-to-day work with clients in terms of bookkeeping, reconciling, BAS, GST, payroll, that kind of stuff. Um, Yeah and I guess my love is really just getting nitty-gritty and and training people so that when they do use their software, um, and I know we'll touch on kind of the software which is another whole realm um, Mm -hmm. in itself a bit later but I really want people to be able to use it really well um, and, and really get value out of it and not just see it as an expense. So we, I'm based in Ballarat um, in regional Victoria. So we did the move from Melbourne a few years ago. Uh, all my staff are remote, so we don't have an office. They all work from home, scattered around. Um, and we have clients Australia-wide. So we have clients in Perth. We have clients in, in Queensland, in Sydney, Canberra, um, awesome. a lot of them in Victoria. So and Tasmania as well. So we don't care where people are. Um, thankfully, with the internet, um, we can we can help anyone. Mm, that's so wonderful that you get to be Australia-based and not just Ballarat or Melbourne. And um, I think that that's such a wonderful space that you've stepped into with the training. And it's not something that you see very often. And it's not something that I know when I've worked in with accountants in the past that that necessarily is their strength or that the way that they explain it to people. But it seems to be, and you can tell working with you, that it, that it is truly a passion of yours, that training space. 
so was, has finance always been your thing or tax and small oh, business? Like what led to passion? I would love to say yes, but it would be a big fat lie. So <laughs> Um, I was thinking about this the other day and and people often laugh because they always say to me, you don't seem like an accountant. And I actually take that as the best compliment, like no offense to other accountants. (laughs) I don't wear a suit. You know, I put some lip gloss on today just because it made me feel a bit perkier. It's Friday afternoon at end of financial year. I need all the help I can get, Um, you know, but I've, I've worked in corporate before and I really felt that I struggled in that space. But even well before that, even going back to picking you know, what course will I do at uni? I was always one of those people that had no idea. I didn't really have a passion about certain topics at school. I didn't have a career mapped out. I didn't know what I wanted to be when I grew up and I probably still don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess numbers made sense to me. You know, one plus one is two. There was no kind of grey area. Yeah. Um, I'm certainly not creative in the sense that I can't draw I can't sing I can't play music so all of those things were I don't know your Instagram is pretty creative to me I think Stacey that's kind of my outlet I suppose but um you know when you're at school creative was you know you had to be a graphic designer or something like that and I was like oh I can't do that um I really sucked at any kind of science it was too technical and just didn't gel with me So it was kind of numbers was the only thing. Um, But I also had a really big passion for travel. So we grew up in country Victoria, up in Wujura, and going to uni was a big scary thing. It was, you know, six hours drive and, you know, I had to leave home. But I wanted to do travel and tourism because I thought if I did that course, I would get free travel. (laughs) Naive, you know, 17-year-old, I would see the world and someone else would pay for it. Um, And the course was offered at Footscray, which you know, from my parents' perspective in Mildura Footscray was a, a bit of an unknown kind of place. It wasn't the city. It wasn't near where my sister was. And so they convinced me somehow to put accounting down as my first preference and then put travel and tourism as my second preference. And, you know, not wanting to upset my parents. And I must admit, my dad is an accountant and he, you know, worked for the one firm for 30 odd years, as you did back then. Um, I didn't even really understand what he did, to be honest. Um, And I thought, oh, it'll keep them happy. I'll never get the score anyway. So it's really not going to be relevant. Mm -hmm. And um, I still remember back then you used to get a newspaper in the Herald Sun in Melbourne and it would print all, all the courses that people got into. And we'd gone to a cricket match and we we got the Herald Sun at like 11.59 at night or something and I opened it up and I said you know stay surprised got into RMIT accounting and I was devastated absolutely devastated and I I think I got over the score by like 0.2 or like I literally scraped the bottom of the barrel to get in there and my parents were over the moon and all I could think of was I don't even want to do it so it and then you know the rest I kind of went to uni and did accounting because I thought oh I'm in there I've got to do it and it was 12 hours a week so I quite like that concept um but then the funny thing was I've I've worked at a summer camp in New York teaching volleyball I've worked at a ski resort in California I've worked as a tour guide in Europe for two years I lived in London for four years like travel is a massive part of my life but accounting was kind of the career that was kind of picked for me I think Absolutely. Like it feels like from knowing you now for the last few years, it feels like the most perfect fit and you still get to have your wonderful travel anyway with your family, but now you're helping people and making a huge impact. So that's a pretty cool thing. Yeah, it's, 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 it is really nice. And I guess once I started working in accounting, you know, I loved the people side. I loved going and talking to small business owners and I loved, you know, working out what they were doing on a day-to-day basis and how can we make it better um, and, and yes, numbers were part of that, but I think it was the people side that I loved the most, which is probably why corporate and I didn't quite see eye to eye. What would you find the most enjoyable thing about running your business now, Stacey? Obviously not being in corporate would be the first one. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, and don't get me wrong. I, I loved the clients in corporate and I loved the work. I think just the environment was not something that suited me and, and my personality. Um, and that's fine. I know that that does suit lots of people. So I think at least in my own business, I make the rules. So if, if there's a client that I know is not going to suit us, then I'm okay with saying, look, I think we're not going to be the right fit. Um, yeah. And I don't feel like I, I need to make them fit. Um, you know, I know it's not going to work. I know they're not going to get the best out of it. And I know they're going to have an opinion of me that that's not what I want. So I'd rather just say it's not going to work. So I guess we've got a lot of choice in running our Mm -hmm. business. Um, 
which is great. Um, although, you know, at times we're so super busy, it feels like, you know, it's just nuts. But I think having the choice, and I know in small business, we talk about flexibility all the time. You know, I often say to people, I usually work nine till three around the kids' um, school hours. Mm-hmm. Um, we have then after school sport or, you know, other things going on in our lives. Yeah. And then I usually am online after they go to bed. Mm-hmm. And everyone says, gosh, that's, you know, such a hectic day. And I said, but I'm choosing to do that. I'm choosing yeah. to spend three hours every afternoon with my kids. And I'm choosing to, you know, work at night, which is actually the ideal time for me. I get the best done. I get the most done. I'm the most productive. I'm, I'm certainly not a morning person. So if someone had to say to me, you know, you have to be up at 6am every day and be in the office by eight, I, I seriously don't think I could do that now. No, makes two of us. Yeah. So I think while some people say it's flexibility, I like to think of it as choice. Yeah. I have a lot of choice. Yeah. And that's a really good way to put it because sometimes it is hard to be flexible when we are running our own business and there's a lot happening. Like, and I know a lot of people start their small business to have a lot more time and space, but that almost becomes a bit of a bad joke sometimes because there's so many moving parts. But I, but I like that. Choice is a really, a really great word that you have the choice to do what, what it is that fills your cup and what feels yeah, good for you. Yeah, exactly. And I think when we focus on flexibility, flexibility to a lot of people means we only work nine till five. We don't work on a weekend. We don't turn the computer on at night. And there's all these, we're not going to do this, 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 this. And when you have a small business and you have a small team or, or no team um, and nothing wrong with either of those choices, but you've got a lot of hats to wear, right? Yeah. And so sometimes the nine to five is not a reality no matter how much. And so then people feel that they've failed Mm -hmm. in the flexibility stakes, but they forget that they can take Friday off and go to their kids' assembly at school, which I did the other week. And I said, you know what, from two to four, I'm just not going to be available. Blocked it out in my diary. Um, You know, no one could make a meeting. I told the team that I couldn't answer the phone. And sure enough, I think I had seven missed calls in that two-hour break. You know, it's always typical. But I I didn't answer them. I didn't leave the assembly and go and take the calls. That was my time to spend at assembly with with my son. And, yes, that probably means I need to do two hours of work that night. But, again, that's my choice and I'm okay because I made that choice. Um, I think in corporate that choice is a little bit limited. Better now than what it used to be, but still a lot more limited. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And I love that word choice. And so on the other side, then, what do you find the most um, challenging about running a business? Um, I think it's when I started my business, I guess I was pretty naive, which a lot of people assume that because I'm a numbers person, I must just know everything. I don't know why they think that, but, Hmm. um, you know, yes, I know the numbers thing, but Nobody in my family has ever run a business. None of my friends ran a business. It was you went to uni and you got a job. So um, when you first start out, you don't have a support network that can tell you what happens when your website goes down. Yeah. What's website hosting? What's the, like, oh, my God, so much to learn. So I think that never stops. Mm. You know, it's always something new. Like there's another software that we need to try. There's another this. We need to get online signatures. We need to get online payments. We need an online portal to upload documents. We need a HR platform. Oh, my gosh, it does not stop. So I think for us, and that's just the business side, I think we've got a lot of technical stuff that we need to learn each year, um, which, again, totally for. We want to learn it, but it's just really time-consuming learning all the bits that is not actually the work. Yeah. Um, And I think I love the work. I don't necessarily love all the other bits that come with it. So I think juggling that to then not work 24 hours a day, um, Mm. even if you have a team, is still really hard. Absolutely. It's just like year on year, things just grow and change and the up level continues, doesn't it? Like it's this, and especially with you with I guess, just being across all of the details and changes in regulations and all the bits and pieces and software. I imagine that's like a a dance that you're always doing, isn't it? Just to make sure you're on the forefront of what's going on. Exactly. And, you know, it's not even that we, a lot of people say we have to do a certain amount of hours training per year, which we do, but we also need to do it. We don't really have a choice. We can't not understand GST legislation. We can't not understand government changes during a pandemic. We can't not understand how a tax return flows through with Centrelink payments. Like we need to understand that. 
So yes, we have to do the training, but we also need to. We can't just ignore it and go, oh, well, we just won't learn that this year. Mm. Um, And I guess it's juggling who needs to learn it. Is it me? Is it my staff? Is it all of us? Yeah, that's kind of true. You know, um, and so what we try and do is we, I try and delegate. I'm I'm still not overly good at it, you know, (laughs) 10 years down the track, but um, especially with a lot of the software that we try and implement, I'm a big believer in you've got to implement something and test it. And if it doesn't work, that's okay. Yeah. Right. You move on. So I handball that to my office manager, Kylie, bless her. She's probably like, oh, my God, Stacey signed up to another software. <laughs> um, and I say to her, you know what? You're the one that's going to be using it. You need to jump in. You need to learn it. You need to report back to me. And yes. same with, you know, bookkeeping changes in terms of the software. How do we move that BAS through our workflow program? How do we get that workflow program to work? I push that back to my bookkeeping staff because I'm like, you ladies are going to be using it. So if you don't understand it, our clients are not going to understand it. So I delegate, but yeah, there's there's a lot going on behind the scenes and a lot of clients don't see that stuff, which we don't want them to see that stuff, mm. but um, there's a lot going on that, that feels like it's never ending, but I guess it's just part of our business now. So Yeah, that's true. And I think it's something like that the people that pay us don't see they see the work that you do with them at that point in time but they don't see the behind the scenes that gets it to that point so that's a a very big share and I think it's something for people to remember as well like when they're pricing their services as well like how much goes into to getting you there so um, thank you so much for the share on your business Stacey it's really nice to know I've known you a few years I didn't know those things and it's interesting to see that you were devastated to find out you were going to study accounting to where you are now and that you it feels like you're in the most perfect spot training um training people so yeah that's wonderful I'm glad that you persisted even though you weren't wrapped at the time (laughs) yeah I think my parents are thankful but yeah yeah I think it's it's done a complete 360 and I look I couldn't imagine doing anything else now um which is good. I think it's, you know, obviously I've probably had 57 midlife crises, which is when I went overseas and did all those things. But yeah, I think I've always come back to accounting, which has kind of made me feel that was the right choice. Yeah. And that's awesome. That's great. Thank you so much for those shares. So now let's dive into all of the things where you can impart your wisdom on all sorts of things, tax and companies and BAS and, and all the things. So I wanted to dive in and, and firstly talk about accounting software, but with that, and just from obviously, um, you know, as you know, I mentor creatives and to my listeners, I've been mentoring for four and a half years now. And one thing I do is talk to a lot of women about their finances and then, you know, whoever I can, I hand over to you to take over the rest. Um, but I do see a huge fear and an overwhelm of, of so many women and creatives and business owners um, avoiding their finances. Like they're not sure how to read a profit and loss. And from what I've seen, a lot of them often aren't even sure where to find that in their accounting software. So what advice would you have for these people that may be avoiding taking control or understanding their finances and what consequences have you seen that might follow that? The first thing I want to really get people to understand and be okay with is it's really common. And everyone obviously thinks it's not very common because everyone that comes to us for a training session, there's a lot of negativity that they kind of almost spew out to us before we even can do the session and they apologise for for not being up to date or they're they're sorry that they haven't got on top of it or they feel really bad that that they're not understanding and that can literally be the first 10 minutes and and they always finish off with, I'm sorry, this is going to be the worst set of numbers you've ever seen. And I feel like saying, I just want to reach through the screen because we do a lot of Zoom sessions and mm. training that way. I want to reach through the screen and give them a big hug because they obviously think nobody else is in the same situation. Yeah. So I really want to emphasise 50% of business owners do not understand their financial information. They could be in operating between five and 10 years and still not really understand. So mm-hmm. I think we need to just lift that, okay, yep, we don't understand, that's fine at least you've asked someone for help, all right? So flip it around. It's not, it's a negative thing, but we're turning it into a positive thing in that we've asked for help, we've asked for a training session or we've asked for a mentoring session or we've reached out. You know, that's often the worst feeling, yeah. asking for help and admitting that we don't know some things. You know, in saying that, um, whether they use accounting software or not, that it's still around the same mentality um, and they feel really bad. 
Um, yes, software is amazing. Um, and we work with various platforms because I'm a big believer in there's not a one size fits all. Um, mm. Every business is different. Every person learns differently. Yeah. All of the softwares look different. My advice is that the software that's right for someone is the software that they're actually going to use. And if they're not using it, it's not the right software. I don't care how many features it has. I don't care what the price of it is. None of that matters. Okay. If they're not using it, it's just a wasted thing that's sitting there. Mm. Yeah, no, that makes total sense. And that was going to be my, my next question because um, that was something that I, I started with from the beginning because I'm someone who's curious and, and wants to have things set up right from, from day one, as you probably know, knowing me, Stacey, my <laughs> ducks always have to be in a row with my QuickBooks. Um, that's that's the way that, that I went. Um, do you, Just with that, do you feel like with businesses when they start, they should go to an accounting software straight away? Some people say that, no, the first year you should just run it through Excel, like, I know for me, I would have had anxiety with that. I love having everything clear, what's coming in, what's going out, profit and loss, linked to the bank account. Like that makes me happy. But what's what's your advice on that for new business? Yeah, look, and if you probably ask 10 different accountants, I'd probably give you 10 different answers because I think it is very personal, this decision. Yeah. We have seen some people start with Excel. Mm-hmm. Um, and my advice would be if you're not registered for GST and you don't have payroll, yeah. Excel or a Google Sheet, is probably easier if you don't have those extra complications. Yeah. It's still not foolproof because even for a tax return, you need to group together income, you need to group together expenses. So having, you know, we see some Excel sheets which are just literally one column of amounts. Yes. That's not really an Excel sheet. Um, it's just a, a, a bunch of numbers. You know, for us to work with an Excel sheet, we would want dates, we'd want descriptions, we'd want supplier names, we'd want what it was, we, then we'd have an amount. So... It depends on people's Excel or Google Sheets skills as to how useful that is. And then I also weigh up the time it takes to use what we would deem a manual system. So Excel, Google Sheets, it's manual. It doesn't link to a bank account. It's very easy to miss information, not put it in the sheet. We also see people get really, really good at it for about two or three weeks. And then they go, oh, I just can't be asked this week. Yeah. And they don't do it. And then before you know it, it's four weeks of, oh, I can't be asked. And so all of a sudden they're missing a whole month's worth of data. So, you know, oh, then we have people, yeah, and then we have people saying, oh, it's fine. I'm just going to sit down on Saturday for four hours and do it. And I'm like, do you not have something better to do on Saturday? <laughs> That's half the day, right? So I guess for us, Excel or Google Sheets has a place, but it's a very limited place in my view. Um, and it would have a time span. Um, I wouldn't be using that for for six or seven years and trying to run pay slips out of it it's not going to happen so I guess the accounting software look to be honest we love it if people use it from the start only because it makes both of our lives easier so it's not just about us Um, it's also about making sure the client can see what's going on and can see what's happening and can make some really educated decisions about Mm -hmm. pricing and margins and how to invest back into the business so Yes, we love accounting software, but we also know perhaps in the first year, a lot of businesses see it as a huge cost. And I flip that back around. So one of the things people say to us, oh, you know, it's 50 bucks a month or it's 30 bucks a month. And I said, okay, but for you to sit there and put it in a Google sheet for four hours on a Saturday, Mm -hmm. would that cost you more than $30? Mm -hmm. Because the answer is always going to be yes, because nobody should be valuing themselves at less than $30, right? my view is then it's not a cost. It's actually a time-saving exercise. Mm -hmm. So again, it's just about the mindset of, yes, you have to pay for it, but you get those four hours on a Saturday back or you get a better insight into your business or, yeah. I I totally agree. And I I love the fact that it's, it's got the data from day one in my business. Every year is there. I can see the growth. You can see the profit and loss everything's linked to the bank account. Like for me, that just makes my uh, organized heart happy. And I think it's one of those things that if you do it, just it's a habit. Like I just find it's like five minutes on a Monday, five, 10 minutes on my Mondays on my admin day, tick and flick all the things, put it in its categories and you move on. Like I think it's leaving it so long that it becomes overwhelming. Whereas if you create it as a habit, it's so simple each week, isn't it? Yeah, and that's what we say to people because quite often people just don't know where to start. Like, yes, they've Mm. signed up to zero or whatever the latest kind of fad is with accounting software. And, again, we don't get too fast. For us, it's it's software. Uh, It's a different colour, but it's software. 
Um, and then they don't kind of do much else with it. And so then it does become a mission. And then like, but zero is so complicated or QuickBooks is just so tedious. But it wouldn't be if you had a regular schedule. So we say to people, you need to allocate an hour a week. Yeah. Probably won't need an hour, but put it in your diary. Actually block out an appointment with yourself once a week. Mm-hmm. You know, call it bookkeeping, call it something fun. I don't care what you call it. Yeah. But force yourself to sit down and get on top of it. You may only need 20 minutes. If that's the case, mm-hmm. you've got to spare 40 minutes up sleep. Fantastic. Um, you know, but I think it's just about the process. It's no different to organising yourself for GST or setting aside money for tax. It's a process. Um, and so same with the bookkeeping software. Yes, it may seem overwhelming, but if you just allow one hour a week, mm-hmm. by the time you catch up and get on top of it, it's it's just a process once a week, mm-hmm. um, which hopefully should get easier um, yeah. the, the more you do it. That's so true. And I think if you do take the time to maybe work with someone like yourself and have the training, it can it can save you money and challenges down the road. And I know because I use QuickBooks, I love the feature of being able to see where my bass is at all the time. And it's quite relatively consistent in my business each quarter, but it allows me to put money aside and to know what's happening and to be really on top of it, which is something that I see. And I know you see plenty as well as people who don't sort of look at where their bass is at, you know, during the, the months or in that quarter, aren't sure what to put aside leave it a really long time and don't do it, have all this money owing and then finally go to someone like yourself and they're on a payment plan for a year or two, as well as then trying to come up with that set amount each month to keep going. And I think it's something that if you spend that little bit of time can save you, God, tens of thousands. I've seen clients with 50, 100, 150 grand, they've got to pay back on top of finding that five or 10 or whatever grand a month it is now going forward. Yeah, and I think as soon as you you start talking about the ATO, this is where a lot of business owners get really stressed. Like yeah. numbers are one thing, but dealing with a government agency can send people off the edge, right? And I don't, I don't mean to say that I love dealing with the ATO, but it's <laughs> part of my life. I, I don't have a choice yeah. um, and we do it. Um, yeah. But I think if when you're a business owner and you don't have that person who can help you in that area mm. and you need to try and arrange a payment plan and they start asking you questions about your cash flow and how are you going to fund the payment plan and it can become really stressful. And we've literally had clients ring the ATO, work themselves in such a tiz they've had to hang up and then email us and say, I can't do it. I can't deal with the ATO. Can you sort it out for us? Yeah. Um, you know, and which of course we can do, but it, it involves a whole nother little of anxiety for a lot of people. So I think nobody loves paying the ATO, ourselves yeah. included, but we need to understand that paying tax or paying GST is probably going to be part of our lives for a while so mm-hmm. we need to work out how do we manage that in the best way mm. um you know have we set up a second bank account to move some money across into for yep. savings you know whether that's for personal tax or gst depending on what's relevant mm-hmm. um, if you've got staff have we been putting aside money for super should we be paying super each month for our staff rather than quarterly so it's from a cash flow perspective it's a little bit smaller each month yeah good point same amount overall but just from a cash flow perspective we're getting a system in place so mm-hmm. whenever we look at those clients you know yes we go okay let's deal with the payment plan that's the first issue but how do we not have that next quarter like what do we need to do now to go next quarter we're not going to need a payment plan what do we need to do how much do we need to put aside do we pay it straight to the ATO do we put it in a separate bank account what's the best mechanism Um, and different answers for different people depending on their spending habits sometimes Mm. we physically need to pay it to the ATO because they can't control themselves Um, sometimes a second bank account is fine but leaving a lot of money in in the one bank account is often business owners don't understand that some of that is not their money and this is where we go oh I've got five thousand dollars in my bank account I'll buy a computer I'll enroll in that course Mm -hmm. then they get their bass and go but I've got no money so I guess it's just about understanding, you know, if you're on a payment plan, honestly, it again, nothing to feel negative about. It, it's a point in time where we go, I haven't quite worked myself out. Let's sort it. Yeah. But I'm not going to be there again. Yeah. And that's a really good point. So, and that's one thing that I've loved working with you is we sort of plan that the year in advance. Like I know roughly what my quarterly PAYG, because I pay um, my tax um, quarterly as well as my bass quarterly so I know what to put aside each month it gets transferred to a separate account 
I'm email you like I did on the 4th of July this month and say, I'm all done, ready to go, gold star with my bank statements. Um, and, and you just make it happen. So I don't have any dramas with the ATO other than that they take my money because like I have it reconciled, you do your thing, I get your invoice and we play on. So it like, it actually can just be really simple. And I think that that's the thing that people don't think. It's an overcomplication. If you know what to transfer each month and it's a separate account, you have a great person doing your bass, play on, you know? Avoiding tax is... You know, we have a lot of questions where people say, I just don't want to pay tax. Like, I just, how do I not pay tax? And I said, well, don't make any money. And then they say to me, but I I need money. I said, well, then we need to pay tax. Mm -hmm. You you can't make, you know, $100,000 profit and just not pay tax. It's not, unless you live in the Cayman Islands or, I don't know, Monaco or one of those places with the beautiful tax treaty. But um, in Australia, you can't kind of have, your cake and eat it too so but I think it's about understanding okay if you want to make a hundred thousand dollars what does that mean from a tax perspective what does it mean on a monthly basis what is it you know if we understand that then we can plan for it and it's suddenly okay that's cool that's what I need to do move on yeah I think that's a really good point it's the education and planning and it's not the avoiding because the longer we avoid the more pain we end up in being that it's tax time and one of the you know one of the most common mistakes um, you see being made and things that could make it easier. And, and one thing that I see is like that waiting too long to lodge and it, you know, stresses me out when I see people aren't doing it till, you know, March or April next year rather than over this next couple of months. Because if you don't do it and you had a better year and you haven't really thought about that, you might have a huge bill you've got to deal with next year and the business could keep growing and you're not putting enough aside. And then it's like a, a double hit, it would feel a like. A double hit. Yeah. And so we had a a lovely gentleman who's based in country Victoria. He runs a, a repair type business and his wife does the books. And we'd been helping them with their baths for a little while. And then they realized they hadn't done their 2021 tax returns. This was literally only about two weeks ago. It was already overdue uh, for 2021. And if they didn't lodge by 30 June, they wouldn't be entitled to family tax. Mm-hmm. benefits now they've got three kids under the age of five so they should have been eligible for some Centrelink payments mm-hmm. I think we lodged it at about uh, I don't know it was literally probably half an hour before the deadline because yeah. the information they had in their zero file wasn't complete they paid for things personally which weren't in there mm. we then had to you know fiddle fart around a little bit yeah. based on his initial numbers he was going to have to pay about five thousand dollars in tax um, and he said if that's the case, we're closing down the business. Uh, you know, I, I don't have $5,000. What do I do? Then we discovered he'd bought a work van. It wasn't in zero. Um, mm. You know, there was all these other things that we, we could do to help them out. So by the time we finalised it, I think the tax bill had come down to, I think it was about $862. Mm-hmm. And by lodging it before 30 June, they're now entitled to a $13,000 Centrelink payment. Well if done. we had have lodged literally four hours later, Mm-hmm. they wouldn't have got the $13,000. This is so, why it pays. It pays Yeah, have someone on your side that gets this stuff. And even the grants through COVID, I'm sure there's a lot of people that wouldn't have got those. And I know you were very proactive on sending those out in emails and letting people know about those things as well because people don't know what's out there or what they're entitled to or overestimations or, or missing and, things. And we get it, like it's tough. It's tough to keep on top of everything. And, you know, because we've got clients in different states, it's tough for us to keep up with state-based things because, you know, recently there was Western Australian grants because they were locked down in COVID, but Victoria and New South Wales weren't. And it's like, oh, yeah, we've got clients in WA. They could be in those industries. We need to look Mm. at things like, oh, my God. But, you know, for 85% of our clients, it's not relevant. Or You know, so there's a lot going on. And I think, you know, whether you have a, an amazing bus agent, an amazing tax agent, if, if, you know, and we got some clients, I think we worked it out. I did a blog post last year about it, about how much money with all the government incentives throughout the pandemic. So about a two and a half year period with JobKeeper and JobSaver and grants, it was over $1.7 million That's that, incredible. you know, our clients, you know, were totally eligible for and received yeah. to try and help them get through. But it just makes you think, okay, if they didn't have someone that knew they were eligible, would they have received it? Um, and and, and some of them survived, Stacey. Yeah, would they have survived. Look, exactly. And some of them would have received it because I think obviously they were following along, but they didn't yeah. really know how to do it. 
Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of our clients aren't savvy with the ATO portal and logging in and they get a bit scared and they don't want to do the wrong thing. So even just logging in to apply for it freaks them out, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and yes, we charged a fee for it, but when I I definitely didn't charge a fee of $1.7 million, you know, but at the end of the day, that was our time and we spent so much time learning about those grants to understand who was eligible and same with this tax return I said you you know you need to get it done by 30 June otherwise really like you're just leaving money on the table yeah yeah absolutely just that's that's a really powerful huge story and I I hope that like there's some people listening to this that are actually thinking you know maybe it's a bit late for this financial year but what could I do better this year what changes do I want to make what do I want to implement like And I think, and this is a word that I say to my clients a lot, it's just be curious. Like I've always had a curiosity in my business, which I think has helped me to go forward and to learn these things and to want to learn because that curiosity leads to knowledge and knowledge leads to empowerment and that leads to really clear decisions and and less mistakes. So I think it's like being really curious about what the numbers are doing and how and why. Everyone says to us, I've got this really stupid question. Like I've run my profit and loss and I don't understand blah. We need to eliminate the stupid question mentality. And no stupid question, right? yeah. There's no stupid question because if you don't understand it and you ignore it, the potential that that is going to cause a problem mm-hmm. is going to look far more stupid than actually asking yeah. the question. So I think we need yeah. to go, you know, yeah, I don't understand it, but that's cool. Can you just explain what it is? Have I put it in the right spot? Have I coded it correctly? Why is that so high? Why is that so low? Whatever the question is. And we have a bit of an open policy with our clients that we would much rather them ask than mm-hmm. us find out. And we have. Yeah. A- Absolutely. Yeah. That's, that's a really good, a really good share. Thank you. Now, just a couple of things I wanted to just on this tax thing and whatnot before we switch across or sort of tax, I guess, but uh, what advice do you have for small business owners when it comes to hiring staff and payroll? Like what challenges are you seeing there? Yeah, so I think there's a really big misconception in the, the business space as, first of all, the difference between employees and contractors. So mm-hmm. from a, I guess, a tax and payroll perspective, they're, they're different things. And the ATO has got a really good, not a calculator, but an online tool where you go in and it asks you about six different questions as to whether or not someone is genuinely a contractor, just because someone has an ABN and gives you an invoice could yeah. still mean that you may need to pay super for them or yeah. perhaps they're an employee for tax purposes and then we've got work cover issues and a range of things. And it's based on an individual basis. So you could have 10 different contractors working for you. You'd need to fill out that tool 10 different times to really get an idea. You know, we have a lot of people that use both and a combination of both. And I think it really depends on the needs in your business um, as to which route you would go down. Now, I must admit, all my team are employees. Um, I do have contractors that are like a graphic designer and things like that. But, you know, my my core staff, which is our service-based staff, so my bookkeepers, they're all employees because I really want them to have that I guess, ongoing relationship with my clients. They probably know my clients just as well as I do at the mm-hmm. moment. You know, they they know them in and out. They contact them directly. They ask queries. Um, and I really wanted to build that team environment, not to say that contractors are not part of a team, but sometimes it can be a little bit different mentality with some contractors mm. that they work for you, but they also work for a lot of other people. Yeah. So where does the priority space align? Um and that can be difficult. I think payroll brings with it some extra complexities just because there's some extra ATO reporting, mm-hmm. superannuation, uh, tax for the employees, but it shouldn't be looked at as a scary thing yeah. if we have our ducks in a row for every other part of our business. So mm-hmm. if we're already you know, aligned for putting aside money for GST, then putting aside money for super is not an issue. However, I've just had a great example where one of our clients has a contractor, but he wanted to move her on to a permanent part-time, make her really part of the team, really enforce that she was doing three and a half days a week. And they obviously didn't have a conversation about her pay rate. And as a contractor, generally they are paid higher because they don't get annual leave, they don't get sick leave. Um, If they take a day off, they're not paid type thing. Mm. And so this employee, well, now employee, thought that she would just be paid the same rate Mm-hmm. as she was as a contractor and so we've literally been going backwards and forwards for the past four weeks and I'm just involved because I need to set up the payroll system not 
not my choice what the client pays her, but he didn't understand, she didn't understand, she thought she'd just get paid the same, he was working it out. So it's been a massive kerfuffle. Mm. You know, and, and I think if you go down the payroll route or a contractor route, there's a lot of documentation you should have. You should have a contract, whether they're an employee or a contractor. You need to have something that says, you know, what is their rate? What hours are they going to do? What work are they going to do? You know, how do they get paid? When do they get paid? You can't just assume that you've got a friend doing some work for you and it will all be okay. Mm -hmm. Um, We see that go pear-shaped so many times um, that it's simply not worth it. And there's lots of online legal databases where you can get some sample contracts and and make them your own or Mm -hmm. a lot of the softwares now do it for you. Mm -hmm. But I think contractors or employees... I don't think it matters providing we meet the ATO criteria and we really know that. But payroll for me is something where you definitely need accounting software that will cater for that. And you probably just need to be a little bit more on top of your cash flow. Yeah, that's a really good point. And seek support and get advice with it. Don't try and figure it out if it's not your strength. Like it's nothing to book in an hour training session or an hour sort of accountability let's talk through it and give me some advice and move on rather than muddling through it for six months yourself like it's, yeah the whole payroll thing isn't my strength because I currently have contractors not employees with the, the size of my business so that's some really good advice out there that um, I think will be so powerful for the listeners thank you and another question I get asked often as I know you do as well is just the whole sole trader company when do I transition you know People maybe sometimes think that they need to do it so that they it looks better. You know, that's been reasons I've heard. It's like, but for who? Like, how much is it going to cost you? And what's the ongoing costs of that? And and all of those things. I know you and I have had a very in-depth conversation about it, Stacey, and I know where I'm going to sit with that for a while. Um, love to hear your thoughts on that one. Yeah, this is one, funnily enough, in probably the last two weeks of June every year, we, we probably would get about 30 people. Wow. Uh, and these are complete randoms, people we've never worked with before, which bless them love that they reach out to me but yeah. they go I, I need to set up a company and we had one and that was literally a whole email I need to set up a company can you help me and I'm thinking a who are you yeah. what do you do what's your business what's your profit are you registered for GST do you have staff what you know there's a, probably 50 questions that I would ask and so and I thought to myself it's the week before 30 June I'm guessing she doesn't actually need to change structures yeah. so let's rather than I could have gone back to her and said, yep, no worries. It's $1,250. I'll set you up. What do you want your company name yeah. to be, right? Yeah. And I could have just done it. But I thought it doesn't sit right with me because I'm, you care. Yeah. I'm thinking the answer will be she doesn't need it. So I said, you know what? Rather than let's go through this whole process, let's just have a phone chat for 15 minutes. So I spoke to her on the phone. Um, I can't even remember what she did because there was about five of them in about two days. Mm. Um and I tried to explain to her for a few things. So when we look at changing structures, we, we generally look at four or five specific things. So first of all, we look at um, profit. Mm-hmm. So not your income level, uh, but your income less your expenses and look at your profit. Yeah. Because when people look at changing to a company, in their mind, they will save tax because the company tax rate is generally lower mm-hmm. than an individual tax rate. However, my view is you need to be earning a profit of in excess of around $130,000 to $150,000 to see a tax benefit. Now, the tax rates do change generally kind of every year or so, so that number can various change, but she'd only been in business for six months, so she was not even making a profit yet. So I said, okay, but that's not the only factor. It's just one of them. I then said another thing a lot of people look at is something called asset protection. So generally speaking, in a sole trader, if something was to go pear-shaped, mm-hmm. and quite often we need to think worst-case scenario, you know, and someone sues you for $2 million, then your personal assets are at risk. So that could be a house, it could be a car, it could be an investment property in your own name. Mm. Again, you need to weigh up how likely that is to happen and that will change depending on your industry and the business that you run or the services that you provide. Um, Some will be more risky than others um, Mm -hmm. and that will be more important to some people than others. Um, So, again, it's not a a cut yes or no. It's what have you got going on in that space that would potentially be important. Mm. The third thing we look at is um, who are your customers? Um, You know, this is a very... 
superficial, um, similar to what you were saying before, it looks better. But mm. sometimes when you work with government agencies yeah. or large corporates, they will want to work with a company structure. Yeah. It doesn't mean you have to be a company. You need to weigh up if you went down that route and you're not getting any benefits from an asset protection point of view and you're not minimising tax, mm. is that client worth it given the extra costs that you will need to pay to be in that structure? Yeah. Now, when we talk about costs, there's extra ASIC fees each year for um, a company um, statement, which is about $278 off the top of my head. Mm-hmm. Uh, company tax return fees could be anywhere from $2,000. We've seen them up to $12,000 for a company, depending on the complexity. Uh, compared to a sole trader tax return, which could be anywhere from, you know, $400 to $700, $800. So it's a massive jump in cash flow. Um, if you're a company, you generally need to put yourself on payroll. So you've got some extra administration there, yeah. which also means you would need to pay superannuation uh, because you're an employee, generally as a sole trader. Superannuation gets forgotten about because we're just so busy managing the cash flow with everything else. Yeah. Um, so that can be an extra cost that people aren't maybe aren't doing right now as a sole trader. Um, It's not necessarily a bad thing, but you would need to monitor the cash flow to make sure that you don't fall behind in your obligations as a company structure. The other thing we look at is exit strategy. So some people have a completely clear vision and say, I'm going to run my bookkeeping and tax practice and I hope in 10 years' time Deloitte buy me out for $5 million, right? Completely unrealistic, but that would be really beautiful. You know, and for me to have that exit strategy, it probably would be easier to get that result, probably not the $5 million sale price, but to get that (laughs) result if I was a company structure because they're buying a thing that's not necessarily attached to me. Yeah. Um, They're buying a fully-fledged brand more so than a sole trader because as Mm. soon as you take that person away from a sole trader, the clients generally don't want to work with a new person. because they wanted to work with the sole trader person. The other thing that we look at when changing structures is when is the right time? I wish there was a beautiful, if you hit this particular time or profit or stage or number of employees, yep, bam, you need to change structures. But it really is very, very different for each person um, in terms of what is important to them. Um, look, I must admit, I started out as a partnership with my husband because I didn't know I wanted to run a business. I just kind of started and I thought it could be a total flop. If it is, then I just go get a job. Happy days. Yep. Hasn't really cost me anything. Um, Sole Trader is a lot cheaper to start. You just get an ABN in your own name, maybe pay 78 bucks for a business name. I guess with a company, there's also a setup cost, usually around $12.50. Um, cheaper if you do it yourself, but if you get it wrong cost you a lot of money in the long term to change the share structure and things like that. So my advice is, you know, literally spend $200 and have a consultant with an accountant because you don't want to spend over $1,000 to find it wasn't the right choice. I'd rather, you know, waste, for use of a better word, $200 and have a session and Mm -hmm. go, look, it really doesn't sound like I need to be there right now. Maybe in six months, maybe in 12 months, but right now, I'm cool. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. And I think that's the biggest thing again, isn't it? That curiosity, asking the question and 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 booking in with someone like yourself to just not just do it because you think you're short or because you think you're turning over a lot of money. And I know for a lot of my listeners, which are in the creative space, some it's it's a lot more important than others, like building designers that are or you know, high-end interior design. Like there's some industries where it might make sense um just and and their assets and that sort of protection so it really is it's not about guessing or going oh I think I should it's it's asking someone like yourself and and getting the the actual factual answers because it sounds like it's a very case-by-case thing yeah it is and and most people you know when I say to him well so what made you think you need to change oh I spoke to this friend and she's (laughs) and I was like oh okay okay so basically you've kind of just heard it on the grapevine it's like Chinese whispers and by the Um, time they kind of come to me I'm like I can see straight through this. But again, I'd much rather have that conversation up front. 100%. 100%. Then go, okay, well, we need to get a new zero file or QuickBooks file. We need to get a new ABM. We need to do a separate tax return. We need to set up payroll. And all of a sudden they're like, nobody told me Mm -hmm. we had to do all that stuff. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, so let's work that out first. And then 
work out whether or not we go ahead with it now, maybe six months, maybe 12 months. There might be a time where it's totally relevant. Um, and that could be now, but it's probably yeah. something that we need to plan for and not necessarily do on the 29th of June. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> so much incredible advice there, Stacey. And before we go today, is there any other advice? Is there anything really important that we haven't covered that you think, you know, business owners, specifically, you know, creatives, which is mostly my community, need to know or anything really important you'd like to part with today? I think most people that come to us already have accounting software, which I think is fantastic, but then really not sure what it does other than to tick off items in the bank feed. Yeah. And that's such a really small part of any accounting software. Um, and we don't think that everybody needs to know every nook and cranny in accounting software because you probably won't use 50% of the features in whatever yeah. software that you choose. I think it's about understanding what do you need to know to make some really good decisions for your business. And that could be, I thought this service was, was amazing and I've only sold yeah. two of them in the past three months. Well, then why am I talking about it all the time? Like yeah. why am I spending so much time advertising a service that's not actually making me any money? Or you might find the complete opposite and go, I didn't realise these, you know, one-hour training sessions were so popular. We, we need to keep doing that. We need, to, we need to make sure people know about it. We need to, you know, so... I think there's so much more to it than just ticking things off in the bank feed, but it's about knowing what you need to know, which we would have, you know, 10 sessions a week and they are totally different sessions. None of them are the same. They can't possibly be the same. Um, you know, some people might want to really understand cash flow. Some might want a 12-month budget. Some might just want to get through the next three months. And so we go, okay, what does that three months look like? Some people want to launch a product and go, if I invested in a warehouse, what does that look like? Um, that's where your numbers come in handy. So I think it's all very well that these cloud platforms go, yay, we can tick off things in a bank feed, but what happens to that transaction once we tick that little green tick or the okay button and where does it vanish to? And, yeah. and how do we know if it's actually doing what we want it to do? Mm -hmm. I think that's, that's what we want business owners to get to. Yeah. That's a, that's a good point. And it's not just all about the expenses and the tax and the bass, but it's it's really understanding your sales too and what's profitable and what's making sense and what people want. So that's a, that's a really good point, Stacey. And thank you so much for your time today and wisdom and insight. And I'm sure that the listeners will take away so much, whether it be, you know, they're about to hire or they've just hired and they've just gone, oh, oh I really haven't done those things. I haven't got the contract or the contractor agreement or I haven't got that set up right or I need to get cloud-based software or maybe it was someone, you know, doing that dance of do I go to a company or not? And hopefully there's some really insightful information there. So I'm very grateful for you taking this time in July for my community. <laughs> so thank you, Stacey. <laughs> That's okay. Thanks, Kate. I, you know, I could talk about this stuff all day. So thanks for the opportunity. And yeah, if someone can just take away one little thing that they can go and ask a question, just literally ask the question. Um, and if you've got the right person on your team that you ask the question to, they won't think it's a stupid question. That's so true. Ask the question, people. That's Stacey's final, <laughs> final takeaway. Yeah. Thanks again, Stacey. And we'll let you get back to uh, to all this tax and uh, bass stuff. <laughs> Thank you so Thanks, much for your time. Thank you so much for listening. I would love to hear your biggest takeaways from today's episode. Please DM me on Instagram at life and business in flow or leave a review. If you could go one step further and subscribe or share today's podcast on your socials, I'd be very grateful. Until next time, take care and thank you.